Hops and Stocks podcast is presented by 100 Spoke Media Group. We encourage our listeners to drink responsibly. Please note, we are not financial advisors. We do not offer or provide financial advice. You know, we try to have the conversations, but, uh, you know, you win. You get her number. You try to get her number and stuff, like, you know what I'm saying? She was was a client at the bank, so, you know. (laughs) Try to date her. You got to date her. You got to date her, Kat. God, happy, happy, happy family, man. Family, man. Oh, yeah, my bad. I, <laughs> I knew your status. I knew, Thanks, I knew your status. I knew your status. I was like, yeah, we went on a trip. I mean, she went on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I told you you're going to have to be on your feet, Kyle. <laughs> Just let that, that 9% get to him. Yeah. Oh man, these are valid questions, man. <laughs> I mean, entertaining. Review two beers, man. Yeah, the two beer review, man. Man, y'all could be lame. Y'all could be lame if y'all want to, man. But this is entertainment value right here. <laughs> and we're getting and we're getting educated. This is great content. Let's do it in three, two, one. What up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hops and Stocks podcast. We are now on episode eight. Tonight, we're going to be doing our usual beer reviews. We got a special guest in the house with us. If you're watching, you can see my man Al Cott in the corner up there. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, some of the financial products he works with and recommends. And that's how we're going to do it today. So let's get right into these reviews so we uh, allow our guests plenty of time. Uh, let me point to the screen. I'm going to go with, let's go with B-Dub since he ducked us last week on the Bad Jig review. Yeah. B-Dub, what's in your cup? St. Ives. I didn't duck anybody. <laughs> I just had some things I had to get squared away. <laughs> hey, 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 man, people people put the word oyst on last week's podcast. Man. Yeah, oyst, oyst is attached to you. <laughs> Uh, this week I got a, a brew by Sibling Rivalry, Reverie Brewing. It's out of uh, Westlake, Ohio. Um, it's a coffee red ale. Uh, has whole bean, whole whole bean coffee. Um, five point five ABV. What's that color look like? It's an amber. I don't know if you can see. All right. This. Yeah, yeah. It is a little red. I can see that. Red. First sip. Actually, it's my second sip. Second sip. Let's hear what you think. Oh, like, <laughs> here we go. It's like a suspect face right here. <laughs> Y'all know B-Dub doesn't hold back. <laughs> I do not enjoy what, what is in this can. <laughs> let me tell you what's in this can right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, you can taste the, uh, I'm not a big coffee. Okay. I don't like coffee. I don't drink coffee. I don't enjoy coffee. But for some reason, in a beer, is good. In this particular beer, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just okay. Uh, I think I bought a single of this, so I don't think I'll be revisiting this. I mean, <laughs> zone, it might be a little better for y'all, but I'll first sip. I might have to yeah. get this. 
you, you me tell you so, so a lot of times them, those beers that got those coffee flavors if you let it kind of like chill out like you would do your stout you might come back to it and like it I'll, I'll revisit this um, probably after the last review but right now I'm going to give it like I'll give it three and a quarter uh, I'm waiting for a two man I've been waiting for a two he, he nobody's gave, nobody's gotten the two. No, nah, he, he gave uh, he gave, artifact. He gave that space joint too. Yeah, he got yeah. that oh, two. Okay. I think he stretched it to two. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was sympathy too. So are you saying it should come uh let the temperature come up a little bit? I'm not well anything that has like that coffee flavor for me just reminds me of stouts. And so generally if I don't really care for it off of like that first sip, if it's not a stout. Then I'll let it, I'll treat it like a stout and let it kind of mellow out a little bit, maybe 10 minutes, revisit it. And a lot of times it'll taste better. I think I had the same thing when we did that. Um, I had that peanut butter s'mores IPA where I didn't particularly care for it at first, but as it kind of chilled out for like 10 minutes, it tasted a lot better. I think I revisited my rating on that as well. Now that I drink this on a second, I mean, like my second sip. I, I like coffee better in a stout than I like it in an ale. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you what what style was it? Yeah, this it was is an ale. It's not as good as it is in a stout because I have a, a stout in there that's a coffee that's it's real good, but this one is just it just tastes like watered down coffee to me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if that make any sense to you? Nah, I can see that. Well, let's yeah. keep it moving. Uh, let's go to my man E. What you got in the cup, buddy? Ah, so my favorite brewery out of Nashville, Southern Grist. Um, they do a lot of sours, fruit beers. They do really good uh, stouts and things like that. But this is from the Hill Series, which is one of their longstanding series of beers. Uh, this is a double-fruited pineapple peach passion fruit. Checks all the boxes. With, with pineapple peach and passion fruit, I'm probably going to buy it every single time. So it's a sour ale brewed with what I just mentioned before, checking in at 5.6%. Um, as you can see, it's this nice, fine orange color. Kind of yeah, looks, looks tasty. Yeah, it kind of looks like tang or something like that. Yeah. But it's really good. Um, I think I, I find myself saying that anytime I review Southern Grist. But they just do a, a really good job when it comes to this style of beers. You get the pineapple, the peach, and also the passion fruit. Um, the pineapple's a, a little more dom- dominant than the other flavors, but I like it a lot. I'll probably go 4.25. Oh. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. definitely something I would buy again. Definitely something that I would recommend to people. Um, but once again, Southern Grist, it's might, that 2.5 that might be a little bit of my bias. But I just I just mess with a lot of a lot of what they do. I like the pineapple note. You said that's the most dominant. That's yeah. that's a pretty tasty note, pineapple. Yeah, pineapple um, and the peach. Like on the second drink, I'm getting more of that peach flavor. But once again, they they knock it out the park when it comes to the to this style of beer. Yeah, that is your that is your favorite. It's your turn, buddy. All right, I'm going to go with, um, I actually chose um, a, a beer to review that um, the guy from our Honey Hole, it was a staff pick of his called Slay On Saison. 
Lay on, stay on. Lay on, stay on. That name is that name is sweet. It's out of Columbus, yeah. Columbus Brewing Company. Um, I, I believe it's a Belgian ale style. I might have to look it up a little more, but uh, it's brewed with um, raspberry and lemonade. Oh, so uh, he kind of knows when we go in. Flash, you know, when we go in, he kind of knows what we like. Yeah. So he kind of points us in that direction. He steers me away from the stouts and things like that because he, I mean, everybody knows what goes on with stouts and me. But <laughs> but the Belgian ales, you know, he keeps, keeps me around those. So let's try this. Cheers. Yeah, it looks beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, he said it was a bright red. If you can see it. Man, like them, red, them reds always get a good grade. That's what I'm saying, man. I, I I rarely have had a red beer or that that deep purplish color that's been bad. Try this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Tolls has a bit of a hesitation, man. I mean, I, I want to give it an honest review because this is his recommendation, mm. and I don't know if I'm feeling it, man. I mean, the raspberry, you, you get it. Raspberry is already kind of tart, so I kind of already knew I was going to get some tartness, but the, the lemonade is really not sticking out at all. Is it hitting you in the back like beat up? I mean, I, I always give it an honest three or four drinks. <laughs> the thing is, though, is everybody's palate is different, man. So, yeah. yeah man. And you know what? I just I just ate a salad, too. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, I would have to wait, that, wait to give that a, a review right now, but you got to say something. Uh, with the ranch. raspberry, the raspberry, <laughs> what you say? You got to say something with ranch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, slay on, slay on, say song. And... <laughs> hey, when you, when you crack it, what does it smell like? That's a good question. Again, the raspberry. I mean, the raspberry is real dominant, man. And raspberry is not my favorite fruit, you know. I mean, who's. I, I, I think mean, you hit it on the nail, man. Sometimes other people's, I mean, that's what we're here for to try different stuff, though. But sometimes other people's recommendations, they'd be falling flat. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, like like Billy, I wouldn't go back and get this, but, you know, I'll drink it. I'll enjoy it for this time. I, I wouldn't get another one. I'll probably give this a solid 3, 3.75. So what you're saying is. It, shout out, shout out to CB Best. It doesn't measure up to the uh, to the high life. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, man. That is a legit question. I like you know, space home. You know, with with this, I was looking for notes. I was looking for flavors. That, that's high life. With the high life, I wasn't looking for nothing. Man. I was looking just not to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to me, that sounds like a vote for the high life. <laughs> One for the champagne. Well, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not. Happy with this, so yeah, I guess high life is that. <laughs> and, yeah, if, you, if you were going that back, life. <laughs> going back for high life. Damn, saison, slay on, saison, on, saison. Hey, I think, hey. I think, I think we got the title for the. For uh, I knew you about to say that, man. Oh, yeah, I knew you about to say that. Hey, ain't nobody, ain't nobody even gonna know what that means, but that's gonna be sweet. Slay on, saison. <laughs> got the title. <laughs> I'm ready to put like a little accent on it to let a cat know. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be pronounced like this. Hey, man, hey, it's, it's getting better, you know. man. It's getting better. Sometimes you just know what the title of the episode is going to be. <laughs> All right. I don't know, man. Cotton, Cotton will say something that will make us 
remember this episode. Yeah. Hey, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's what I'm waiting on. Right now, right now, it's Slay On. I'm sure Cotton's going to knock that off the pedestal. I think it's up on, on you, Blast. What you drinking? All right, man. I am excited tonight, fellas. Um, I'm, I guess I got to let y'all in. I, I cheated a little bit and uh, cracked crack one on Monday, so I already know how everything tastes. <laughs> um, but I, I went to uh, Braxton, which is a brewery um, in Covington, just you know, right across the bridge from the Natty. And um, I was really look. Braxton always does the collaborations with uh, graders, like the black raspberry and the key lime. And they came out with a, a, a peach milkshake IPA. So I was I was going for that. Um, the, the bartender, you know, he he poured me up a bunch of samples of all sorts of stuff. He poured me up that it was it was just okay. Um, but he he put me on to this blood orange man, and, and that's what I got tonight. It's uh, Braxton Scooter. It's called a blood orange Rattler. I'm I'm not really familiar with what a Rattler is, but it's it's darn good, man. Uh, the only knock on this is is that it's a four in the ABV. But other than that, man, if this wasn't a, a you know, a four, a, a lower ABV, this would be a five for me. I'm giving this a 4.75. That's my highest rating. Oh, wow. wow. I'm telling you, anything that's like a red color and an orange color is always a good beer. This this is delicious, man. I mean, it da- it's damn near almost not on the spectrum of beer. Mm. Man, we, we, need your, uh, we need your clapping sound effects, man. I think that's the highest rating. I'll, I'll put it in on the. I'll put it in the edit. Peanut butter a five, I think. Yeah, yeah. Beat up, beat up. Yeah. peanut butter a five. But me personally, that that's the she highest did. one. <laughs> <laughs> Clay Davis. Hey, maybe we can get Clay to be a sound effect. Hey, I, 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 I went over to my stash and uh, found this bells. Okay. It's a uh, sparkleberry. It's a uh, raspberry Belgian ale. Okay. I don't know why I got another raspberry. I may, I may do another review, man. I may do another review. <laughs> hey, hey, E, uh, I think this is seasonal, but if it wasn't, this would be house brew for me. House brew? Yeah, this would right, be. Let me, see the, let me see the can again, Blast. Does uh, it remind it, you of anything that you've had or just like? Uh, nothing, nothing, that, nothing that I've had is, you know me, man. I'm about nailing the flavors, man. Wow. Yeah. This this tastes all sorts of orange, man. Hey, would you would you get a single? Nah, I got a six, man. You know, I don't even mess with six, but I was in the, uh, I was in their bar, and I mean, after dude poured me probably like six or seven tastes, I was like, all right, man, I, I gotta buy something. <laughs> right? Uh, He's like, this dude's just mooching off me. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know me, I was, I was, I asked him, I was like, man, I don't sell singles. He was like, nah. <laughs> hey, but can, you bring, can you bring me up a single? <laughs> that's the yeah. other positive too, man. It, it was, you know, ten dollars for a six. <laughs> You yeah. didn't want to say bye. <laughs> That's like asking for one cigarette out of a pack of cigarettes. Let me get, back. Let me get my cigarette. So, so Blaz brought up an interesting point that I think we all are guilty of, but I'll just go around the room asking, like, how much does ABV impact your 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 decision to buy or not buy a beer? Almost didn't buy it because of the four. I mean, you you know me, I'm a I'm an ABV top. <laughs> <laughs> You said what? An ABV thought. ABV thought. Oh, oh yeah. I got. It's got to be above. It's got like six. Even though this is a five and a, five point five, it's got to be like a six, man, for me. I mean, oh, personally, turn this back on. I prefer. I prefer to be like eight. 
I'm gonna have to buy another six, man, so that you know all of y'all can share in this, man. Because oh no, I'll be over to get some of that six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, There's four, four left and counting, man. I'm yeah. at to go in, weigh in on you guys. Going with the kombucha, of course, it's uh, my brand of choice. It's Synergy, and um, this is uh, Sacred Life, and this one right here, this one only rolls around, like, you know, seasonal, usually summertime or, you know, in spring or whatever. It's got a, <clears throat> it's got like a Smurf blue. Oh, man. Yeah, Smurf blue. It's got like a, yeah, it's got like an effervescence to it, um, far as texture, yeah, uh, Alka-Seltzer type vibe, but. <clears throat> Alka-Seltzer. It doesn't taste like it, it a, you know how you you um you drink alka seltzer and alka seltzer is good for whatever you buy alka seltzer for. Well, that's the same thing with this. It's got it's got the enzymes in it. It's um it hasn't been pasteurized, so everything in it is living. So it's you know it's good for your gut. But um, mm. flavor profile, it's good stuff, man. Remember the, the last blue drink Corona recommended to me? I think B Dub was with me. I don't think we ended up remembering the rest of that night. <laughs> was, it, was it a blue MF? Yeah, we was at the hole. <laughs> we was at the 19th and Jesus, man. <laughs> hey, Doug, did you, did you finish your previous brew? Yeah, man. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure if you poured out or not. No, I, I finished. I'm a, uh, Are you going back for review too? I, I think, man, if. If you can't get your beer four, you should come come back with another one, man. And that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna come back with this Bell's Sparkleberry. Double raspberry. Double <laughs> I mean, it's another raspberry, man. I'm I'm done for that. But uh the APV, I have to tell you later, man. I can't even see it on the can. I mean, if you guys don't mind, can I do another one? No, nah, hey, man. You said no? Oh uh, yeah, hop on in. That's a nice color. Well, I want to see that hesitation. Wow. You. See, that's that's the that's one. Legit. That's good. That's good. I is mean, that raspberry. Good? Now, for some reason, that raspberry is is mellowed out. It's not real, real tart. Again, this is a uh, raspberry Belgian ale style or style L. What's the stats on it? How much it run you, and what's the ABV? Um, well, you know, at the honey hole, man, I just put them into the. I put them into the container, so I really don't know. No, you Forgive me, man, my eyesight. Like oh, 9%. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's all you. It's all you, beat up. Eat that. I need parts. Mm. And this, uh, <laughs> it's just a little fun fact. I caught it on sale at the Eagle. Um, they three for nine right now, so normally they're like three seventy nine. Yeah, that's a good price. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah I can get Alka-Seltzer for like, shit. <laughs> 36 count for like five bucks. <laughs> no, I get I'll put a tablet alcohol in this, man. And we drink it. <laughs> there you go, man. Make it great for the gut. Yeah, Bells. Bells did right. Bells is out of Michigan, you said? Yep. Yeah, out of Michigan. I uh I what I forget the city. They Bells does a good job. Oh, this is a triple L. So it's a uh Belgian style triple L. Brew with raspberry, whatever triple L means, but they did it. That that stayed up north. 
Hey, man, uh, me and Doug want to shout out uh, Tabs, too, man. We had a, a good time. Oh, yeah. Yesterday. Um, definitely highly recommend that pumpkin. They, they nailed that pumpkin, man. I've never had yeah. downs, but um, I have been in a couple of establishments. It seems like it's not far-fetched to catch it on tap. Did you pour the whole thing in there? Man, this is delicious, man. Oh, okay. I'm like, dang, you you that far down already? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's going to be smacked. You're going to you gonna have to watch yeah. him. Y'all know, man, these, these are the last couple of weeks before I have to go back into the classroom, man. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, I had you. I had you like McNulty out there yesterday. McNulty and Bunk. Yes, I got. Some yeah, that's how we work, man. I had to stand up. I had to stand up like Bunk, man. Like, um, <laughs> hey, Blaz, I wasn't feeling good last night, man. Like, my oh, stomach, yeah, my my stomach had me up. I don't know if it was the tots. They had these uh specialty tater tots that they were serving up. Oh uh, yeah, you had them loaded tots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, a bar tots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had some of their they had a cherry wood uh barbecue that was pretty good. Hey man, they had a cherry wood beer, man. They they had smoke flavor smoke in the in beer. It, yeah. it was you crazy. Can, you can taste the smoke. That actually sounds good. Being yeah, I, I mean like I, I wasn't in love with the, the flavor, but I was impressed that they nailed the note. Well uh Sparkleberry, I give you a what I say, four point five. You said four five? It was good, man. Oh. I mean, 9%? I mean... Checks all the boxes? It checks all the boxes. I, except for the cost. Like, I don't know how much it costs. Because, like I said, I just put them in the thing. and I mean, those those are usually five five at, yeah. at HH. I just, I just pray that I'm under 40 for a six-pack, man, really. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I do. I think I was at 30. I think I was at 34 for the six-pack. Oh, that might have... It might have been more. My sixes are usually under 30. But, yeah, you might have been... You might have been messing with a $9 one. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been in a while, man, so, you know. I looked at my got... refrigerator the other day, and uh, it's starting to, like, I can actually see the, the top shelf again. And so I looked at my <laughs> cabinet to, to re-up, and then I realized that my cabinet was all basically stuff that I drink in the fall, like like stouts and uh, things like that. And my goal was to drink through some of my some of my, some of of my my stash. But I was like, man, I need to go back to the to the store and grab some more IPAs, some more sours. So I'll probably be posting a nice hefty haul here in the next couple of days. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to re-up too. Uh I, I got like two two sixes I'm working on. Y'all know that's rare for me. I still got that six of uh warp wing. <laughs> lime. Hey, if you want to come over, now nah, that <laughs> orange sickle. Uh, wanna come over and drink some of that. Yeah, yeah pass on that. I got another orange sickle uh, this last haul just so I can do a comparison between Warp Wing out of Dayton and whatever this. Oh, uh, this this warp, this orange sickle is out of Westchester, so it's right up right up the street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw your haul, man. I, I was impressed by the by the different flavors. Yeah. yeah. Bill's Bill's is good, man. I was like, man, this is only artwork. I'm about to try that out. All well, right, fellas. Well, I think it's about time we transition into yeah, our segue. segment. Uh, you know, as we said earlier, we got a big time guest on the show. We got our man Al Cott. Um, a lot of us grew up with him. Some of us know him from college, but uh, he's a good friend of the show. He comes to us highly credentialed. Uh, you know, the man was a former licensed banker for Fifth Third. Y'all know Fifth Third is big time in the city, big time in the world. He's currently a relationship associate 
with Franklin Templeton, which is one of the largest mutual fund providers in the world. So Alcott, seen it all, done it all. Alcott, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We're glad to have you on, man. So, uh... You see. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big time you see, man. Bearcats in the house, for sure. Hey, you know what? You, you forgot to say, man, he's affiliated with uh, Oso. Oh, yeah, he's, Oso. he's, he's definitely Oso. <laughs> he's affiliated, man. Yeah. Oso fam. He will, Oso he fam. Will, he will put some bars on you if you if you come after him. He will put some bars oh, on yeah. you. Oh, yeah. We still have those We still have those bars recorded. <laughs> Country Cotton O. <laughs> you and yeah, Wood P. Yeah. Hello. Hey, remember, Hello. <laughs> hey, and he deadly on that flag football field too, man. Oh yeah, he's light on his feet, man. He's light on his feet. Y'all remember the dance moves? <laughs> We're glad to have you, uh, Cotton man. So, um, I mean, just to start off, like, what do you do, and you know, how does it tie into uh, you know stocks and or you know things that we're talking about here on our podcast? So, so in short order, it's basically a lot of mutual fund processing uh, for high net worth clients. We, we act as custodians for those type of uh, individuals. So if anyone knows mutual funds, you know, mutual funds is basically just a collaboration of various stocks, you know, held in one, in one fund. So that's how, you know. Yeah. I, I think uh, you're the first person that we've had on to really kind of dive into the mutual fund game. So if, if you could, I, I know you, said it real real quickly, but maybe uh, go over that definition again for our listeners who may not really be familiar at all with what a mutual fund is. Okay, so a mutual fund, again, is basically an investment that's going to pull a bunch of various stocks, depending on what the fund manager is looking to accomplish. It, you know, it'll pull different stocks into that fund, and then the investors can purchase into that mutual fund. Um you have open-ended funds, closed-end funds. Uh, you have unit investment trust. So there's within mutual funds, there's a, a bunch of different types of classes that are out there as well. The most common would be your open-ended fund. That's what you see when you, you know, your 401k at work. Those are all open-ended funds. So um, and then those are just kind of basically set up. You know, they don't have a time frame. So like a closed-end fund is going to have a time frame. Like you may have it for five years, for example. And then after that, it's done. There's no more investing in it. Um, whereas an open-ended fund, the fund managers can buy and sell as long as they want. So I guess a good example of that would be like, for example, the Franklin Income Fund. It's been around since like 1940. Uh, whereas some other funds may have like a five-year duration uh, and so forth. So on the ones where... Uh... Where it's closed ended, when it, when it ends, do they do they give you your portion back, and then you got to reinvest in something else, or how does that work? Yeah, once it's closed, that's it. So you've got you know you've made dividends off of it while it was open, uh, and then your initial investment that goes back. But yeah, once it's closed, you have to find a different investment. Yes. You know, and and then it, then the closed end funds are different in how you purchase them too. So when you buy a closed end fund your initial investment is directly with the fund. It's kind of like an IPO, initial public offering. Okay. But after that, those are actually offered through the market. Whereas your open-ended funds, you always buy directly from the fund. And so when I say you buy it out in the market, everyone probably already knows. It's just like if you were just going out into the general stock market, close-in funds is where you would find those in just your regular stock market. 
I got a question for you. Um, like within the stock market, <clears throat> of course, uh, stocks go down. And if you take money out, you don't like the stock, you can lose money. Uh, say with a mutual fund, is there any gambling as far as uh, taking a loss? I don't want to use the word gamble, but um, is there any um, situation? Risk. Yeah, risk. Yeah, there's risk in any investment. So you can lose money in a mutual fund. It's not guaranteed that you're going to make money in it. But I guess uh, the best way to say that it, a mutual fund is set up, the reason why they have so many different assets in one fund is so like if a particular sector is performing badly, then other sectors may not be performing badly for that day. So like today, for example, and I'm not saying this is what happened, but let's just say, you know, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, let's say they were all down. It's probably safe to say that everyone in that industry had a bad day, but then maybe, you know, industries like, you know, Procter & Gamble or Unilever, companies that produce goods, you know, like that for your household, things like that. They may mm -hmm. have had a bad day. So your entire portfolio isn't down in that particular fund. So you have some items that were down, but another industry probably performed well. It went up. So it balances out. So you don't see as many ups and downs as you do in a particular stock. But yes, you can lose money in mutual funds. It's not up every single day. You know, there's up days and down days, just like anything else. So basically, it minimizes the risk. Right. Say, say it again. I said, so basically, it just minimizes the risk. It helps minimize the risk, yeah, because you have other, you know, assets in, in you know, in a particular fund that'll help alleviate some of the losses that a particular, you know, class is having on a given day. So yeah. what is the, uh, why would a person in, invest in a, like a, a term stock? Or, I'm sorry, you called it a closed stock. So like a five-year, I'm sorry, mutual. Why would you invest in that versus something that you just put in and just let your money roll? Well, you still let it roll. It's just that those fund managers decided that it's just going to have a term. So they, they have the same type of funds in it, but they're also passively managed as well. So the fund managers in that, they're not constantly going in, buying and selling new securities. What it is is basically what it is at that time. Uh, so you may have got involved in it just because you liked what the investments were. Uh, it could be any number of reasons uh, why. Now, the reason that your, you know, 401ks typically don't build in that is basically because you don't want to have something shut down because you have managers in those. So they always, you know, have an ongoing flow of various assets that they're using. So that's kind of the, the reason for that. But, you know, a person's investment choice is just maybe they did the research. They like what this particular close-in fund offered and they got involved in it. So... So my question is, man, and you just mentioned the manager. What does a manager do? So once once I connect myself with um, a financial institution, what happens after that? Now, what are the managers doing? Are they communicating with me, the client, on no. a biweekly? Oh, so they're not they're, okay. So how does that work? The fund managers are on the back end. Those are the people that are basically determining what assets to put in that particular fund. So, you know, maybe they wanted to buy, I don't know, we'll say Google. They wanted that in that, but then maybe they got a tip somewhere that, you know, another, uh, at another stock in the, in that same industry 
maybe it was going to do something different. Maybe it was going to be more productive that they felt they may sell off to Google and then purchase that other, you know, asset and bring it in. And then once okay. that sold, any capital gains that were derived in that, then they go back, they're split amongst the people that were invested. And then those go back in, you know, back into your pocket okay. uh, as a capital gain. Uh, now, most of the time you would reinvest it, but you can take that out as income if you want. Um, but the fund managers, to answer your initial question, no, they aren't in contact with the actual investors. They're basically determining what's going into any particular fund. And they buy so they're making So they're making moves every day based on what the market is doing. Right. And but but not based on what the client wants. So if I if I say, hey man, you know, I want to really focus on tech in the tech industry for these next, you know, ten years, if that's my goal. The managers aren't working off of that. They're working off of their knowledge of what's going on with the market themselves, right? Well, so to answer that, there's thousands of different funds. So if you wanted to be in the tech industry, there's funds out there that are heavily loaded in tech. So mostly, you know, it, it may be 80% tech and then 20%, you know, another fund or maybe 5% here and there. So, yeah, if you want to be heavily involved in tech, there would be funds out there that would be heavily, you know, weighted in the tech industry. So it all depends on what you're looking for. So, like, if you're looking for income, for example, like, let's say, you know, we get a little bit older and you're looking for income from your investments, then you may want a fund that has a lot of your large cap securities. Companies okay. been around for a long time. Right. Pay on time dividends, things like that. So yeah, you can you can set less your risk. Back. Yeah. Less risky situation. Right, right. Yeah, because I I mean I, I look at my statement that comes quarterly or whatever, and I see I see movement, but I haven't told my manager anything. You know, he it just seemed like. I don't, I don't, I really don't know what's going on with it. So I guess my next question is, I think all of us have our own retail accounts with a different um, online services for buying and, and selling stock. Uh, right. So are we, are we acting as managers pretty much? So with, well, yeah. I mean, if you're doing it online and you don't have an advisor that's working with you, then yeah, you kind of acting as your own manager because you okay. determine what you want to purchase. Uh, you could go out and purchase a mutual fund, I would imagine, in, in those accounts. Uh, but if you did that, then there would be, I guess you could call it a sub-manager, someone who's making the decisions on what to put in that particular fund that you purchase. So, yeah, that movement that you always see when you get your quarterly statement, yeah, that's basically, one, it's an open-ended mutual fund, but then those are the managers on the back end that are doing their analysis to determine what should and should not be uh in that okay. in that fund that makes sense hey hey Kyle, if i can uh have you back up a little bit uh why don't you tell us how you kind of got to where you are you know I, you know obviously you didn't come out of school and move directly into this you know part of the industry so why don't you kind of take us through your journey from where you started i know you mentioned uh banking and uh to where you are today so while i was in school, I was working at, at Citibank. And then I kind of took a hiatus from school for a little while and just was working there full time. Uh, and then that was at Citibank. Okay. And Smith Barney actually had an FMA product and they were moving that from 
another location. And so I got on basically on that Smith Barney team. And that's how I kind of generated some of the knowledge of the markets. Uh, so I did that for, oh man, I was probably there for a good eight, nine, maybe 10 years. Like I was a supervisor in that department. Um, and near the end of it, I finally went back to school to finish up. Then when I left, I got on at Fifth Third. Uh, I left there and went to Fifth Third uh, as a banker. I moved to Florida, uh, must've been 2013. So when I got here, we had two bankers in the office that I was at, where the other banker had been working at Fifth Third since they acquired whatever bank it was they acquired here in Florida. So everyone knew her and it was hard for me to get just your general revenue, like off your checking accounts, because it was hard. They all knew her. Everybody wanted to go to her. So I was like, well, I got to get licensed. Uh, so I went and just uh, basically started recruiting people to come in, talk to our investment executive. And after you get so many referrals there, they'll basically give you the opportunity to get licensed yourself. Uh, so then I went, uh, got licensed, did that for a couple of years, and then moved on to Franklin Templeton, where I am now. And I've been at Franklin now for probably five years, I believe. I believe it's five years. I think it started in 2016. So uh, that's kind of how I got to to where I am now. But it all started yeah. with, with Smith Barney back at, at Citibank. Yeah, that's an interesting journey because, I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, I could be off, but it doesn't seem like most people hit the ground running, you know, in the investment field. You kind of have to, you know, work your way through to kind of get to that to that position. And it, it kind of sounds like that's what your journey was. Yeah, was, yeah, uh, it was a lot of moves for sure. Was the certification tough? Um, so to be a licensed banker, you only have to take the six, 63 and then your life and health. So the life and health, that's easy. If anybody's ever had insurance license, that's a piece of cake. The six, the series six, it's kind of difficult. There's a lot you have to know. Uh, I think it's like a five hour test, four hours maybe. It's not like that eight hours at a seven. Um, but if you study for it, honestly, I didn't think it was too, too difficult. I got an 84 on it. So, I mean, you know, I, I didn't think it was I mean, that's that Bearcat education, that Bearcat education of, you know, yeah, you, man, just, you, know, you just, just know how to cheat, man, from Trotwood. You know how to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, when you go in and take that test, man, they make you take your watch off. Right. Put your cell phone in. It's like, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, they don't play. You had those special glasses, man. You had the answers coming to your glasses and shit. Yeah, man, the Google glasses. Right. <laughs> so what's a typical day? in the life of, of your role? Oh man. So <laughs> I wish I could just put it down. It is it's so much that goes on in the day, but I guess, um, you know, I got to make sure that like people's trades aren't failing. So let's say you, let me back up a little bit. So my client, my main client is a large registered investment advisor out of New York. So they have their own clients, obviously, and then those trickle down to me. So when trades are going through, I have to make sure like the trades aren't failing uh, and they could fail for any number of reasons. Like today, I had an issue where they wanted to purchase a Canadian stock, but they tried to sell it, you know, just like a domesticated asset. So that doesn't fly, you know, so we got to figure out what the deal is. So I got to fix that. Um, 
when we buy and sell mutual funds. I put in those mutual fund ticket orders, um, make sure those are processed. I mean, I can even do something as simple as, as wire money out, you know, for a client. So it's basically literally being a custodian for like these high net worth clients. But in addition to that, it's also the actual advisor uh, that I'm dealing with as well. So it's so, so does it get pretty stressful when you when you see the market starting to tank? It doesn't get stressful to me because again, they have the you know I'm working with the outside advisor. So if you don't like what's happening in the market, you don't call me for that. Is you gonna call you know your direct advisor? Gotcha. So it get, it may get stressful in terms. So you're of hidden. You're kind of like you're hidden <laughs> in the background a little bit. Like hell, all right, don't call me, man. <laughs> so, so, but like before when I was at Fifth Third, call, call your mama, don't call me. Yeah, when I was at Fifth Third, it was the opposite. Something that working right, you know, they come marching in the office. Directly to you. Right, right, right. right. What, what, is, what is this? You know, you sold me these funds, they're not performing well, you know. <laughs> hey, you sold me some false funds. Right. <laughs> so since you, uh, you like on the front line and you do this day in and day out, um, like over a period of time, do you start to see certain trends? Certain things, that, uh, certain things stick out for us in the market. Yeah, you, I mean, there's yeah, there's trends that you pick up on all the time. Uh, you know, for example, we say with a presidential election coming up, generally you will see the market take a dip because people don't know what the next administration is going to be, who is going right. to be. So there's a little bit of a dip. And then once the new administration comes in, then it picks back up because you can kind of, you know, you know what's going to happen. You know how that administration is going to act. But then the market, you know, ticks back up. So, you know, that should stay down, man, with Biden. <laughs> I mean, it, it has not ticked back up with Biden, man. I've, I've noticed that. Man, man, I, I don't know, man. My portfolio is straight. I'm, 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 I'm say, all right, man. 401k is straight. Because I, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that that were on, you know what I'm saying, the other side of the fence. And I'm like, my 401k is still gaining. Because I it now yeah, it, did take a dip. it did take a dip, but that goes back to what you were saying. Like a lot of times that's due to uncertainty. But my 401k is straight. Yeah, yeah. I'm straight, I'm straight there. You know, I want to be better than straight. Well, I mean, you would be straight, Kyle. You're behind the scenes. You're probably putting people's <laughs> money into your stuff. <laughs> right. He cherry like, yeah. picking. Yeah, he sure is like, I mean, he don't need, he don't need that thousand. <laughs> I'm gonna invest that in my own. Man, yeah, this, I'm gonna make this trade fail. <laughs> so, so, Cot, man, so the mutual fund is really just a, a diversified way of having your money out there, making more money. It's, yeah, right. if you can look at it like that, it puts your it puts your money in more assets. So, like you said, it's instant diversification in a right. mutual fund. So you you're buying a bunch of different stocks at one time but in addition to the diversification you know there's reinvestment and then you can buy fractional shares so like if you right. go out and buy you know some stock in you know i've been throwing procter and gamble out there so we just use that as an example again you can't buy a fraction of a share so let's say you know it let's say it's trading at 130 dollars a share and you want to put 200 dollars in when you just got 70 dollars just doing nothing so with a mutual fund, you know, the whole $200 is invested in the fund. I didn't know that. I didn't know. So yeah, certain stocks you can't buy fractionally? No, if it's, a, if it's an equity, 
you can't buy fractional shares. Mm, so whatever, like whatever you you know, whatever your favorite stock is at the moment, and let's say you know I want to put you know a thousand dollars in that. So what's going to come back is you're going to have to pick a high or a low cost because unless it's trading even you know at a multiple of a thousand where you you know it gets you all your dollars invested, but that's highly unlikely. So with right. it, you know if it's wow. trading at like you know a certain number of say it's like thirteen dollars, I don't know the math offhand, but however many shares that that gets you, you're gonna be you you're gonna have a few extra dollars left. Um, that's just basically sitting in that account as cash. And if it's just sitting in the broker's account as cash, then it's not earning any interest. Not right. the interest rates on cash is doing anything, but... Well, you should probably just take that back out then and just do an even 131 or whatever the share is. Right, but, right. So basically, you got to know the price of these stocks before you even buy them. Well, no, no. I mean, it's fine. Like, oh. If you, if you, if you want to put, you know, $1,000 in, if that's what you... I mean, you can say, I want to buy, you know, 200 shares of X, or I want to put a thousand dollars worth of dollars towards X. If you go with the latter and you put a thousand dollars towards whatever security it is you're purchasing, then just know that it's probably going to be a few extra dollars that didn't get invested. It's not that you necessarily have to know the cost of it. I mean, it won't hurt. It's probably a good idea to know what you know you're spending, but uh, that didn't eliminate you from buying it. You're just going to have a few extra dollars out there that's just kind of sitting. So like, so what do you mean? It, what do you mean by security? When you say the stock? Okay, so you saying stock? Okay, all right. I'm, I want to make sure all the jargon is is uh apropos. The, um, oh, go ahead. My bad. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Um, I, I have one more question, but go ahead, Karan. So, what's the difference between um a Me mutual and you. fund and a hedge fund? So, so a hedge fund is set up similar to a mutual fund, but it's a private invest investment. So you can't just go into your brokerage account and buy a hedge fund. You have to know a hedge fund manager that allows you to buy into that hedge fund. But it's similar in the way it's set up. So it's going to have, you know, however many stocks that that hedge fund manager decides to bring in. And then that's what you will technically be invested in, all of those stocks, because he's going to buy all of those. And then the capital gains, dividends, et cetera, are going to go back to the investors as income, but you just can't go out and buy it yourself. You have to, mm -hmm. you know, you know, a hedge fund manager. You got to be in the know like you are. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, you got to, you got to know a hedge. You got to know somebody that offers it. So like some of these ind independent advisors, <clears throat> they'll offer hedge funds. They'll buy them. Like my client, they have about 20 hedge funds that they offer, uh, but only their clients can buy them. Like you can't just go out and buy uh, that hedge fund. So, and then one, and, it, and it's got a certain number. So once it's right. maxed out, it's not like an open-ended fund either. So even if you know the hedge fund manager and he's allocated, you know, all the shares to other people, you can't go in and say, I want to get on this hedge fund. Somebody else would have to sell out and then you could buy in their portion. Wow. Hey, man, you're dropping some gems, bro. Yeah, it sounds like we need to uh, pool our resources up and get with you so you can get us into the door. And some of these <laughs> hey, man, it's, it sounds sites, like it sites sounds like you're going to be on episode, uh, episode 9 and 10, too. Because <laughs> I got more questions. So no, the ETF, the ETF situation, I'm sorry, E, real quick. The ETF situation, can you break that down? Because I know the ETF is a way for you to buy in and also have access to different uh, securities. 
Yeah, so so those are exchange traded funds. Right. And basically those are tracking a uh no I'm thinking of index funds. They are exchange traded funds, but you can't buy those out in the market. So that would kind of be like a mutual fund that you could go out and buy yourself. Right. Um, so give us some, hey man, hey man, give us some, uh, you know, drop some some gems on us. What, what should we buy into, man? I mean, we we can't have you on here without giving us some some <laughs> some insight, man. You know what I, I mean? I, I want to do that off, off camera, man. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man, our listeners deserve it. Our listeners deserve to hear, like you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> You don't want I, I, I can't. I can't just go give blanket advice because you know everybody. Everybody's got their own. You know, if I say go buy this and it don't meet, you know, beat up <laughs> investment strategy, he will be like, what, "What the hell are you talking about?" Well, I mean, that's, I, that's when you, is not responsible for it. <laughs> that's when you have the. That's where you have to word it like, man. You know what I've, what I've done in the past is. You know what I mean? You got to word it right. You know. Well, just just say like, how would you go about buying a mutual fund? Like, how do you your vetting process? Like, how do you go about if you knew nothing about mutual funds? How would you go about acquiring one? So, if 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 you knew nothing about a mutual fund, you probably only gonna have them in like your four hundred one k first off because that's just what your company offers. Your your four hundred one ks those are mutual funds, mm -hmm. um, and if maybe someone heard something about a mutual fund and they wanted to buy it you could go through your brokerage account and purchase a mutual fund and then you could talk to them to figure out they would ask you what's your investment strategy are you looking for income are you know are you looking for you know growth what are you looking for um if you're looking for income that's typically someone a little older you know like at our age you could still be a little more aggressive you wouldn't be out there looking for income particularly in your mutual fund because those typically have a lot of the large cap so they pay on time dividends but it's not a ton of you know growth in terms of the assets that are held in an income fund so you won't see a lot of movement on that mutual fund per se so when they sell out something your capital gains won't be as as large um, so what's the largest what's the largest dividend you've seen one of your clients get paid like you know saying they were they called you up like man listen i got this much dividend back Give us a number, man. So I see there, there, there's a client that they have a guy that only works in bond funds. And okay. he somehow is scouring all these bonds across the U.S. And it would be nothing for him on a monthly basis to bring in, you know, 80, 90,000 grand in bond, you know, from the bond funds that wow. he's invested in. So again, obviously you got to have, you know, you just can't go out there and throw, you know, $2,000 in it and expect to, <laughs> you know, get that back. But, you know, he, he's putting money in, but, you know. You got to have the capital to put in. Right? Yeah, but in the climate that we're in right now with interest rates the way they are, to be able to get that kind of revenue back from bond funds, mind you, you know, uh, that's a lot of money. You know, to, explain to Explain bonds. Please, real quick. Before we before we move off of bonds, real quick, I just want to back up to to a mutual fund question. Oh yeah. Um, if I'm brand new to mutual funds and I'm saying, hey, you know, I want to diversify my strategy. You know, I got I got 401k, I got retail stocks, I got IRA. I want to start messing around with mutual funds. What are some things I should look for in a in a brokerage or a company 
to decide like, okay, like how should, how should I bet that company to say, okay, I, I think they know what they are talking about. I feel comfortable putting my money with them. I mean, that that's kind of doing your own diligence because there's always going to be people out there. that's just looking for, you know, the commission and they sell you whatever. Uh, so I'll say the nice thing about working at fifth third as a licensed banker we were almost kind of like fiduciaries. So we got paid off of the dollar amount that we invested, not the particular asset that we sold. So I'm in a position to literally offer you the best product based on the conversations that we had uh, and know that, you know, it doesn't matter what I give you because I'm going to get paid off of the dollar amounts uh, that we invest. Hey, so God, I guess- God, say, say, that, say that again. Uh, I, I, I deal with a, but the person who runs my my fund or my my retirement is a fiduciary. To explain to the listeners, I think it's important the difference between a fiduciary and just like a financial advisor. So a fiduciary is required by law to basically act in the client's best interest. So you know, let's say he's selling you an insurance product, an annuity. Annuities have different uh, commission scales. So. There may be a, an annuity out there through Liberty Mutual that's paying 5% commission, but there may be one that's paying 7% at like packed life. But the annuity strategy at Liberty may be better for you. So as a fiduciary, I would have to offer you that one through Liberty and not the one that's going to give me the greater commission. Yeah, I, I, I heard that that was an important distinction to make when you're looking for somebody you know if you're looking for somebody to manage your money fiduciary what i've heard is fiduciary is the better way to go yeah so e there you go that's probably the best way like if you find fiduciary. Someone... <laughs> <laughs> this guy <laughs> we're, we're sitting here <laughs> hellified gems and this dude goes and does this <laughs> and that's what it sounds like man sometimes <laughs> so you don't work with individual clients. You work with uh, corporations mainly. Yeah, I, I mean, I have individual clients, and then I have a large investment advisor. Uh, so I work with both. You know, what's been your experience as far as like the de demographic? Who are you? Who are you? Are you? Who are you dealing with? Are you dealing with? You know, more Caucasian or, or more blacks coming into the, coming into the, you know, the investment realm or what? Uh, so I'll take this back to fifth third since I was, you know, actively seeking, you know, clients. You know, I was, I was looking for clients in that particular right. role. Right. So th there were more Caucasian clients that I had. Uh you know, it, I don't know if it's an education thing growing up, you know, sometimes we just had different experiences. Right. Financial so, literacy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, so I would take it upon myself, especially, you know, if it was younger folks, you know, I try my best to just kind of educate them right. on, on, on what's going on. Like I had a had a lady come in. She was a little younger than me uh, and someone had left her one hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Off of, uh, they had passed away. And they had a life insurance death benefit. And so, you know, I spent, oh man, months trying to get her to come in and, and invest some of the funds. Like I saw the check come in, 
because uh, I would just kind of scour check deposits at the branch. See if anybody had like a large deposit, I could call right. them. I mean, uh, of course. Okay. That's how you get paid. So you're looking at people's stuff so you can see if you can get some money. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I call her. She said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll come in. And uh, a couple weeks go by. I, I look at her account. She done dropped like 30 grand on a, on a uh, what's that infinity, that, that big one? I think it's a QX50, I believe, or QX80. The big wow. Big boy. Uh, it was used, but still, I was like, man, she just done dropped 30 right off rip on that. Um, seventy. Yeah, now she's down to seventy. Uh, so I call oh, her. Sorry, again. I forgot tax. My bad. Yeah, yeah, you know. So you know, I, I see her account again. She then she done <laughs> went on a big, big trip. You know, uh, now down to like fifty. She won the best. Now she wouldn't. I, I tried, and because she was black. You know, she, was, she was black. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and so like all that money's <laughs> gone. She was renting. She didn't own her home, you know. So, you know, that's another thing she's got going on. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I tried. So, if I had, she chances, needed you. I, yeah, she, she did, needed you. Literally, literally. Uh, so, I, I would try. You know, I had a, a guy. He had been working for the city of St. Pete. Uh, so, I got him in. He he didn't know what to do with like some money that he had left at another job. You know, <laughs> that's another thing. Like, you leave jobs, you got to roll those, you know, four hundred one ks into rollover IRAs. Yeah. You know, so he, he just got like, you know, you know, a handful of accounts out there from 401ks that he left behind. So I'm like, hey, you can't just leave that there. Let's, you know, do something active and get that moved over. So, yeah, right. you know, I tried, I, you know, it was, you know, you know, folks come in. I try my best to get them in, but, you know. So any luck? Any luck with her? Any luck? Did she ever no, start no, investing? No, 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 I ended up giving up. I saw she she had got that thing down to about. Yeah, the money got too low. Cop was like, this ain't even worth cut time no more. Right. Got, I can't even get a commission over that. It's like you're not even a, a criminal. Like, you really trying to help people and change people's lives and educate them. And it's just like, it's pulling teeth. Yeah, he's yeah. A, you know, he's an ambulance chaser. If she'd have came in <laughs> with like 20, we could have did something. But then it's like, that's the last 20 you have. I can't just take literally the last, you know, that right. you have to put it. Because if you lose it, then what's going to happen? You right. know? Right. Um, she got to sell that. She got to sell that infinity. That's what she has. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. She's going to have to sell that. Um, she can't take that trip back. And yeah, she should have been buying some property. That's what she should have been yeah, buying some yeah. property. So, you know, we try to have the conversations, but, uh, you know, you went. You get her number. Street, you try to like, get her number and stuff, like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> we, but she was she was a client at the bank, so you know. It's... <laughs> try to date her. Oh, you got to date on, her. You got to date her, Cot. Happy, I'm a, a happy man. family man. Family man. You see that? <laughs> oh yeah, my bad. <laughs> I knew your status. I knew. Thanks, me though. I knew your status was. I knew your name, man. God was like. Yeah, we went on a trip. I mean, she went on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I told you you're gonna have to be on your feet, Cot. <laughs> let that that nine percent get to him. Yeah. Oh man, these are valid questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, entertaining. That's why I huh? review two beers, man. Yeah, the two beer review, man. <laughs> man, y'all could be lame. Y'all could be lame if y'all want to, man. But this is entertainment value right here. <laughs> and, we're, and we're getting and we're getting educated. This is great content. <laughs> well, you know what, Cot man, we we appreciate you coming on with us, man. And you have like a yeah, man, a big a big uh, knowledge base of 
what we really want to talk about each week. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, man, if we can have you back on. Yeah, we definitely uh, going to have you back on, man, for sure. Yeah, just, just, just let me know when, uh, you know, wrestling these kids around here around this time. So give oh, me yeah. a heads up, you know, yeah, get them out of the way. But for how are sure, they doing? How are, your kids? how are your kids? So I got I got a four-year-old. I got a two-year-old. It's going to be two on August 9th. And oh, wow, I got, okay. I got, I got one on the way. Oh, oh, oh man, congratulations, Scott. Yeah, congrats, Thank you. Man. I appreciate it. Hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, Kyle, I got, I got hey, man. one last question. You got to call that lady back with that 100 grand, man. <laughs> um, for us, myself, personally, uh, I've jumped around on, you know, uh, a, a lot of gigs. And like you said, as far as tying up those loose ends, how would I go about, you know, um, revisiting those old 401ks and kind of consolidating them and putting them all together? So all you got to do is, is first, you got to find all of them that you have out there. And then you would just take, you know, it basically. So is, that, is that going back to the old jobs, HR and getting that information or how does that work? You yeah, you could start there and then they could put you in contact with whoever managed that fund. Okay. Uh, so, you know, like I'm trying to think like Vanguard. Empower, is, is, yeah, Vanguard, Empower, no. any, whoever basically managed your 401k, that's the company that's going to have to give you the rollover information. So let's say you worked at a job 10 years ago, uh, you got, you know, nine, $10,000 just hanging out. The good thing is it should still be invested in whatever you had it invested in back then. So you should still be making money uh, in that regard. And then you'll open up a rollover IRA. Once your rollover IRA is open, you can get a check cut. It will be made payable to the IRA for the benefit of you, and then they can deposit that because you just can't put a personal check into an IRA account. It's got to come from like funds. So that's why it's got to be made payable to, that's why you got to have a rollover IRA first. And then once that's open, you can get the check sent to you and then deposit that check into the rollover. And then whoever you open that rollover with, that person can go over the various investment strategies that you're into, and then they can put that money into wherever you determine uh, the funds should go. All right. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Hey, man, Kyle, you're, you're an honorary, and I don't think we've given this distinction to anyone. And hopefully my colleagues will agree, man. You're an honorary Hobson Stocks member. You're welcome anytime, and we appreciate you, man. I'm hey, glad man. to be on. Glad to be on. Hey, Kata, you know, before we get out of here, uh, if people want to reach out to you, is there any way they need to get in contact with you? Right. If not, that's cool too, man. I was just... nah, since, since, since I'm not actively, you know, looking for clients in okay. the role that I'm yeah, in yeah, now. Like, I'm straight. I yeah, I'm straight. <laughs> Y'all clients don't make enough money. <laughs> I'll I, I tell you what, though, uh, if I go back into that world, uh yeah. Oh. I'll be giving the phone number. Well never mind. You you're not an honorary Hobson stock. <laughs> <laughs> hey Kyle, I'm gonna be getting at you, man. I'm trying to open up an account in the Caymans, man. I see if you can help me with that. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, offshore. I'm trying to be offshore, man. You got some of that bunk money. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, hey, thanks, man. Scott, man. We appreciate you, bro. We appreciate everybody checking in. This is the Hobson Stocks Podcast signing off.
Smoke Media Group. We encourage our listeners to drink responsibly. Please note, we are not financial advisors. We do not offer or provide financial advice. Trademark copyrighted by Hunter Smoke Media Group.